Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. I almost forgot the tagline there. That's first. Good uh, job. We could You're start over great. again, but uh, I'm keeping it. I'm your host. My name is Matt King, and my brain is very cold here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Uh, Jed's sitting in a bigger chair than me, and I don't think that's appropriate. Joining us from a chair with the head of a wolf on it, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Winter is coming. I feel that's a nerd reference, but I don't get it. It's a wonderful nerd reference. (laughs) From a very bad show that none of you should watch, officially. The books are great, dude. Sure. Joining us all over Memphis, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. What's up, folks? We're back. Uh, We are back and going off the rails earlier than ever. As I point out again, it is, I think I got back to Chicago post a holidays about what, on Tuesday. I'm not sure it's broken 25 since then. Yeah, it's been crazy cold Like there's here. snow on the ground that fell a month ago. That's dude, a joke. Dude, 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 Matt, I have I will answer just those. received correspondence and I'm going to officially declare an emergency because of it. It's an emergency. It's an emergency. Emergency y'all. correspondence. Is it from the War Department? This is an emergency text message. Oh, okay. Here's the deal. I just got a text message from a, a Say That fan of ours in Houston who is also one of our dearest friends, um, Charlie Job. And Charlie, uh, he knows that we are recording the podcast right now. And Charlie sent me a text message to say, make sure you tell the guys that it's in the 70s here in Houston. Oh, Lord. Charlie, why, why would you... Why would you do that to us? See, and that that's yeah. the first time he's done this to Glenn and Jed, but on multiple social media outlets this week, I've posted pictures of snow and whatnot, because I'm from the South, and people in the South think that snow is a myth. Okay. Right. They think it comes and stays for a day, and then it's gone. So if it accumulates more than three inches, you got to get visual evidence. Right. Snow, snow is like the Yeti for us. It's like sure. Sasquatch. Absolutely. Probably real and awesome. Charlie, why, why, why you got a place I've, like I've that? I've got many Wait, comments uh, today. You know, it's seventy three here. Wow. Hey, we got a we we have a follow up text message from Charlie. Hit us. He says, "Let them know it was a chilly fifty this morning, dude." Wow, dude, yeah. that's that's mean, man. This is that's this hurtful. is. I don't think actually joke. I think if it was fifty degrees in Chicago, there would be people running naked in the streets. Oh yeah, and, and I would be leading the parade. Dude, dude, well, you, you know what this you know is? They have that parade in the town. Yeah. Charles, this is weather terrorism. Whoa. That's what this is. <laughs> you are terrorizing us with your weather. And I just, I got Because they ask, hate our weather freedoms? Because they hate our weather freedoms. Charlie is in Houston, is he not? He is. That's, that's correct. Houston, Texas, correct. You know who else is in Houston? Other people? Yao Ming. Oh, Stain. Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Now, is it possible. That Charlie, being in Texas, in Houston, is weather terrorizing us just on his own, just a free agent of terrorism. Having known, having known Charlie like for him. many years, that's probably that's pretty likely, actually. It's possible, <laughs> sure, in a technical sense, but is it even more possible, nay, likely, yeah. that Charlie has come under the thrall of the Osteen Empire? Oh my! Well, goodness. I think I don't think you're going deep enough. I think Charlie is just mocking on his own because it's fun to mock people who are in misery. That's how we get through the winter. Well, there's it that. helps. It only hurts us because we're also in misery, but we just kind of trade it around. 
we got a, a care package that we talked about in the last episode that mm. involves some books that uh, we did a little Bible coding on, and with the sixth word on the sixth page of the thing, there were seal. There was like seven seals involved. I forget how it went. Yeah, I don't really pay attention. When we're recording the show. Sure, sure. I think Christopher <laughs> Lee was in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but what we did find out is there was a warning about robots. Yeah. yeah. Now at the time wow. we were just kind of cruising through, feeling the gratitude. We didn't take the time to stop and think about the Osteen ramifications. Okay. Absolutely. So we're warned about robots from the future. Yeah. On the same week that it is polar vortexing right on top of us. Right. I'm just saying Joel Osteen has climate controlling robots. Oh my goodness. Wow. The warmest oh spot goodness. in America right now is Houston. Right. And that's emanating outward. Okay. Well that's So I mean Basically, clearly what, there's some technology in Houston affecting what, the weather. What you've just given us is a science fact. Absolutely, it's, you can't it's, argue with the fact. It's a Lex Luthor situation. I mean, you can't argue with the fact. Are you saying that Joel Osteen is a sixth level intelligence? I mean, I don't know if we can rule it out. I mean, this was a little literal <laughs> meteorological fact that the South Pole was the same temperature as Chicago this past week. That's that, totally true. That's, yeah. a, that's an actual fact. Yeah, we're going to so, give you some numbers, and this is not joking. We, wind chills of negative 30. It hit yeah. lower than that, dude. I chose yeah. not to see that. Yeah, it, it actually I peaked out about negative 60, actually, in the larger Chicagoland area. Yeah, so that's you, basically what we're trying to say here is when you when you put all of these facts together... It forms a case that just basically cannot be denied, which is that our good friend Charlie has almost certainly been kidnapped. And brainwashed. Brainwashed and is now a weather insurgent. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, this is weather evidence that demands a verdict. (laughs) Charlie is definitely uh, an engineer. He's a mechanical engineer. He has... Oh, uh, not the train kind? A lot of... (laughs) He has a lot of talents, he has a lot of gifts, got a lot of brains. If Osteen was going to pick one person in the country to to weather terrorize Mm. you guys specifically, I think Charlie would be the person to brainwash in order to do that. Etu, Charlie. Yeah. Etu. I mean, we got to do, you know what we got to do? Tell me. We got to do one, we got to rent us a van. That's step one. (laughs) Sure. Okay. All your plans start with renting a van. Okay. (laughs) Are we going to ride around it and solve mysteries? Well, obviously. Okay. Okay. But what you want is one of those that I'm has to clean up after that dog. The, you know, the, the, the big sliding door. Right. Panel van. So we roll up while like he's taking his evening stroll or whatever. Right. We roll his up. His evening constitutional. We, we, then we grab him and throw him in the van. Okay. And we throw, put a black hood over his head. Okay. See what I'm saying? Sure. And then we- This is starting to sound pretty insurgenty. We deprogram him from okay. his brainwash. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. This okay. is this is, uh, 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 this is basic psychology, okay? Well, here's what I want to ask. When we deprogram him, will we find, is it actually warm in Houston right now? Maybe it's not. Maybe. We don't have proof of that. Here's, How deep does this conspiracy go? <laughs> here's another question. What if there is no Houston at all? We don't have proof of not that. I've never wow, been to Houston. That's right. deep. You think you grew up there. I think I was born in you, out just outside of You bought of a plane ticket back to Houston, not just today. That's correct. But can you be sure? I can't be sure. Can you prove now in this moment there is a Houston, Texas? Uh, n- no. This is getting very platonic. Did I just blow your mind? <laughs> you just blew my mind. Well, I think what we're talking about here is... 
you got to what you have is an advanced guard, so to speak, of people that have been turned against their will. Charlie, maybe Charlie doesn't even know what he's doing. You follow what I'm saying? Sure. Till, till we put him in a, a van with the hood over his head, we can't be sure. Sure. But sure. we have to do that just in case. You sure. see what I'm saying? Absolutely. But that's sort of the advanced guard for the robots that are coming and changing the weather. Yeah. Okay, I've okay. got a question on this. Only one? Once once we have <laughs> once once Charlie is in the is in the van with the hood and the deprogramming. Right. Can is it possible to to demand as a ransom some of Osteen's sweet, sweet podcast numbers? Obviously. Yeah. Clearly, that, that definitely. This went from mission of mercy to kidnapping for ransom very quickly, <laughs> and I didn't expect. I expected that to happen, but I didn't expect Lee to be the one to take it there. Lee, I'm, I'm really, I'm pleased. This is what happened. Also, Please. pointing out that Lee and Charlie have been friends for 20 years, so let me just, just know what you're getting when you become friends with Lee. He will sell you out in a second for some sweet, sweet podcast. <laughs> I'll tell you what. This is what happened. I'm just going to explain to y'all. Okay, yes. when you capture an insurgent, yeah. You get the info yeah. on what they know of the operation. Sure. You see what I'm saying? Sure. So that he must know how they're getting the sweet, oh. sweet podcast no- numbers over there. Clearly. So uh, all we do is put him in the van with the hood over his head till, till he gives oh. us the info. Well, here, I feel like in, this in, in, a, in a very Christian way. I feel oh, like this ends with us becoming the first <laughs> podcast to violate the Geneva Convention. <laughs> 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 well, look, all I'm saying is last week on the show, Everybody got really close to the mics and talked to people in a really creepy, creepy way. And this right. week we're planning. By last week, you mean every week? <laughs> well, I will point out that pretty much all all of Glenn's plans involve a van and hooding someone. Right, that's correct. Like we gotta go pick up the guy at church. We're gonna take him. We're gonna go pick up our friend Craig tomorrow. Right from the church. We're gonna take him to lunch. And Glenn's looking to rent vans. And right. Jed and I keep trying to tell him we, we all own cars that have yeah. four people. It'll well, be fine. I, I just I just like to 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 escalate the drama. Sure. Right. You know? Right. That seems good. Glenn's yeah. a, Glenn has a long and valued history as a deep programmer. He's the one who talked Paul McCartney into leaving Wings. Wow. That's wow. a deep cut deep. right That's there. That's well done. Yeah. <laughs> Which sucks because he was the best one and that really ruined that band. <laughs> <laughs> they no. tried to roll on with Linda in the beginning, but it's a 30 year old jokes, folks. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. Sure. I'm with you. Here's what I'm saying is, uh, it, w- what we got to do is get the info out of him. Right. Maybe lay hands on him, whatever it sure, takes. Sure, whatever it takes, man. Uh, because uh, we we have to figure out what the secrets are. Right. Of how does how does he have amazing podcast numbers? Well, I, I think the cat's already out of the bag, dude. I mean, okay. I, I, think, I think the whole game is up here, okay. right? Clearly, the weather control technology came first. Okay. And he is holding regions of the country hostage right. in exchange for their listenership. Right. To the po- do we know that without his weather control, do we know that Texas would be a warm place? We have no evidence of that. We have no evidence of that. Okay. I, Texas was not warm pre-Joel Osteen building a church. That much we know. I propose to you that under normal circumstances, au natural, right. Texas is an icy, icy permafrost wasteland. Sure. But Joel Osteen's revolutionary, perhaps otherworldly, okay. weather control technology right. allows it to be what we know today. And as a merciful overlord, he exchanges heat Right. Vibrancy in exchange yeah. 
for constant listenership. Oh. And perhaps... So everybody's in on it. Everybody's in on it. Right. And perhaps because there are pockets of resistance in you, other places... You, is it that you don't know or that you don't want to know? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying. How's the warmth, Charlie? How's the warmth? Hey, you know what, Charlie? I hope you enjoy your warm, warmth-giving alien technology from outer space courtesy of joel osteen and that you, when the alien overlords come down like you know they're going you to know they are i feel like we're going deep into the crazy on this one <laughs> and when the aliens come down you're gonna say i wish i hadn't have gone that way and hadn't have been and made people upset with my little weather tweets and dude i know the source of his power Ooh. The weather control. Yeah. His teeth. You know why they're so white and shiny? Why are they so I thought they glowed white with the glow of the anointing. They're pure ice. Oh, my God. His teeth are made of ice. Which it was there all along. Warm. How? Magical, magical ice. It was right in front of us enough. the whole time. How could we not have seen that? <laughs> This somehow got less scientific as it went on, <laughs> and the science it started with was pretty shaky. Sometimes we get about halfway through and look over at Matt like, do you want to... No? Okay, I'll keep going. You know. So, so far, well, we've got magical robots, we've got kidnapping, we've well, got don't... magic ice teeth. But also, How? Glenn said kidnapping in a very Christian way, which I think needs to be uh, pointed out. Sure. Well, so you yeah, don't actually you. grab them. You just pull up and open the van door and then guilt them into getting in. Yeah. <laughs> you passive aggressively kidnap them. Must be nice walking along the street like that. You know, we ha we haven't seen you on the inside of the van in a while. <laughs> sure, sure would be nice if you come visit the van. Yeah. All been thinking about you. I mean, I know you're busy. Sure. You know, got a lot of important things going on. We'll I, just be at the van by ourselves. I, I knit this kidnapping hood just for you, but you don't have to wear it. I mean, I just made it. <laughs> you know, I want to put it out there. If you're not, if you don't care enough to knit your own kidnapping hood, right? I don't think you belong in the kidnapping you, you, realm. Hey, look, you don't, you don't care enough to put in the time to do it right. Then forget about it. Okay? This is what I'm talking about. You right. want kidnapping sponsored by Etsy? This is what I'm talking about. Sure. And you know what? With an owl on it, maybe. I think I think people out there want to see our Christian kidnapping spy movie right now. I know I do. Me too. I think that'd be a good, maybe a bridge box project somewhere down the road. Well, it's it's like a spy movie kidnapping insurgency and fighting aliens totally. from our space with their heat technology. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? This will be an, a very uh, special say that bonus pl plug that I didn't know we were going to do. Jed actually made a Christian spy kidnapping movie. That's true. Short film. Do you know the Vimeo address off the top of your head? Is it like a slash? Yeah, I can look it up if you'll uh, stall for time for the next 30 seconds. All right, we'll stall for a little bit of time here. Uh, we can't, uh, obviously, by Robert's Rules of Emergency, Lee, you're going to need to be the one to call this, assuming we haven't got any more antagonizing text messages. Yeah, this is uh, this has gone so far that the only thing that's left to do is to go ahead and call if everyone's ready and uh, ready to settle down. I think I can call emergency off. I also, now the debate becomes, you know, we've done a lot of pieces of Say That merchandise. You kind of, you sign up for Bridgebox, you get a t-shirt, you get some bands, you get a, a music download. I think the next one really should be Kidnapping Hood or Tinfoil Hat. What you're saying is we need a hat 
that people can wear to deal with the cold. What if dual purpose? What if yeah. it would help with the cold, but also it would let people know you're cool. You don't need to be kidnapped, right? Because you've already, oh. you know, you've seen the angles. You know the old ice teeth down in this Houston. Is... You know what he's on. Right. You're like assigned to other people that you're cool. That so is... it's merchandise slash protection racket. That's what I'm talking about. We'll Capitalism things that will guarantee <laughs> we will not send someone to kidnap you. Capitalism to the rescue. Wow. Well, we're asking a lot of hypothetical questions here. Do you do we think we can do anything about them? I I think we can. Make I think that you got to stay tuned. Yeah. I think if the people are interested in some kind of a winter headwear, we can probably make that work. Now, if we do that, uh, the only way to get it will be to sign up for Bridgebox. Mm. That's how we do our merchandise stuff. We don't sell it to you outright. We, uh, you know, you sign up for Bridgebox. It's a little bonus. It's a little, you know, the old infomercials. It's uh, not only that, but you get a hat too. You can sign up for Bridgebox right now, and we'll probably send you a hat if we may ever make one. It's missionusa.com slash bridgebox. $8 a month, you get songs, sermons, download, uh, Bible studies, devotionals, all sorts of cool stuff based around a question. This January one is, where do I start making changes in my life? A good little New Year's topic. You got stuff from all of us, sermons and writings from both Glenn and myself. Jed and Lee both uh, write, record, and produce music for it. A lot of fun stuff. $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All that money goes to directly support the ministry we're doing here in Chicago. Or you can sign up for the Lee special Lee Younger branded Bridgebox. That's also $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash BBLY. And a small portion of that goes to what we're doing here in Chicago. And then some of it goes to support the awesome work Lee is doing with young folks in Tennessee. If you want both of those, Matt at MissionUSA.com. Shoot me an email. I'll give you the special super secret link to get both of those for $12 a month. And if you want to see Jed's Christian spy short film, you can go to Vimeo.com slash 249 Four nine nine eight seven. The beauty of podcasting is you can rewind that and listen to it until you have it memorized or write it down, whichever one works for you. Woo! Woo. All right, we're going to move on to our first question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. If you hang out this all the way to the end, I will give you some ways you can get in touch with this if you have a question. The question that came in is, what is the mission of the bridge? So we'll definitely answer that, but I also thought this would be a good time. We're 102 episodes in at this point to kind of go around the room and refresh people just on what our day jobs are, what we kind of do for a living, kind of exactly who they're taking this advice from. We've probably picked up some new listeners since we last did that. So I'm going to start with you, Glenn. You uh, are the president of Mission USA, as I said at the beginning. You founded The Bridge, which is kind of what a lot of this stems off from. So why don't you tell us a little bit about just what need that was meeting and kind of what your day-to-day is with The Bridge. Absolutely. Um, I started doing prison ministry right out of college, uh, which was about 127 years ago. And uh, <laughs> there were petticoats involved. The, it, and you wore a smart top hat. Exactly right. Um, yeah. Uh, so I started yeah, doing prison ministry right out of school. I started working with juveniles. Uh, I came here to Chicago to do sort of a very specialized work where I was working behind bars with guys and then working with them on the outside. The way that we were getting that done was to uh, it, to involve the gangs in that, to uh, develop a relationship with individual street gangs so that we could walk with, work with them on the inside and then work with them on the outside and to be safe with that and so on and so forth. Uh, that went spectacularly well, wide open mission field. Everybody's uh, excited to hear the gospel. Uh, no worries, no problems there. 
except for what do we do with them now? Uh, we had so many guys who were open and interested, we needed to figure out a place to put them. And so uh, about, well, very nearly 10 years ago, uh, we came up with the idea of starting a worship service where you could uh, have different pastors that we had gone out and handpicked uh, that we knew to be in, in different neighborhoods, uh, different types of denominations, but all of them in really, really, really good quality churches. If we went out and found those churches and, re and asked those pastors to kind of rotate through that service three at a time uh, to bring the word on a topic that the guys are struggling with, they've written down and kind of put it in one of our suggestion boxes there, uh, that what we would be able to do is to give these pastors a way to interface and meet with the uh, men and women that are coming out of jail that we're working with, and then they could go home to those churches and, and plug right in. Uh, so uh, my responsibility, my part of that uh, these days is uh, to work with those pastors and uh, do a bit of coaching on their ministry stuff and do uh, coaching on their preaching. And, and of course, we talk about personal stuff as well. Uh, and uh, I, I try to uh, do what I can to keep an eye on the big picture and do as much uh, discipleship and, and building into you guys as, as I can. So that's that's my part of it. Absolutely. Uh, Lee, uh, you're not directly involved in the bridge. You do some bridge box stuff. But why don't you uh, review for the folks just uh, what you do down there at Christ Community in Tennessee? Um, well, I am a, I'm a pastor at a small church in East Tennessee in a little city called Oak Ridge, just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, I started... <clears throat> Let's see, when I was about halfway through college, I started helping out at this uh, at this church, leading worship, uh, developed a strong relationship with the pastor, and uh, we became really close, and he started mentoring me in a lot of different areas of ministry. And then about two weeks before I graduated from college, he drove out to the town of the school that I was going to and offered me a full-time job, uh, leading worship, um, uh, doing youth ministry at the church. And uh, also doing preaching and doing website stuff and doing all kinds of different things. It's a small church, so everybody does a little bit of everything. Hospital visitations, you know, funerals, weddings, the whole deal. But also, uh, and they made it very clear, the, the elders of this church, when I came on board, that they didn't, they didn't want me to, to, to do youth ministry in the typical way that it's, that it's sometimes done at churches, which is that the, that the youth ministry is this uh, very... Um, this you know this uh, this little group of Christians that's set apart that at this little church and they're all each other's friends and that's all you do. They said we want you to shepherd the kids that come to this church and to help them understand what it means to walk with the Lord. But then we want you to go to the high school itself and reach out to kids who don't know anything about the Lord and don't have any relationship with Him whatsoever. And we want you to be involved in in uh, in reaching kids on the fringe, kids that don't have a relationship with the Lord. So. Um, that's what I've been doing for, um, oh, let's see, for 12, 13 years uh, where I am now. So uh, I'm still um, still leading worship, writing worship songs. Um, we have been involved in prison ministry. Some of that's changing uh, for a number of years. Um, still doing youth ministry, still reaching kids at the high school, still doing some preaching and website and moving chairs and hospital visits and the whole thing. It's just being a pastor here in a little small town, and and uh, due to some old relationships, um, really cool relationships between uh, some folks that 
are part of our community and uh, and and Glenn's wife Jane, we have been connected to the mission of the bridge and Mission USA for um, gosh for a long time. I mean, I, I think. Christy and I, my wife Christy and I have been uh, supporters of Glenn's ministry at the bridge for over 10 years. I th- does that sound right to you, Glenn? Oh, yeah, it's been years. Yeah, before we started the bridge, we, we knew you guys for sure. Yeah, so um, so we've we've had a connection. Uh, Glenn and I have been friends, uh, brothers, for a long, long time, and uh, we've just all, you know, we've been... Uh, you know, praying for these guys and and uh, cheering them on and uh, and and being you know uh, connected and a part of their ministry um, for a long, long time. Thankful to be in that place and 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 it's it's just been a really really cool relationship that continues to get cooler and cooler as as some of these things with the podcast have developed and the blogs and now Bridgebox and all that kind of stuff. Totally, Jed. You oversee what, as we talk about the getting what's called Mission USA Productions, which does a lot of our online stuff. So you can just kind of run us through that, and you're also the Bridge Program Director. So just walk us through both those responsibilities. For sure. So, um, in terms of uh, our Bridge service here in Chicago, as Glenn was telling you, we have a, a worship service every week, um, no matter what: rain, snow, hail, earthquakes, bees, thunder, snow. All of the above, um, every Tuesday, no matter what, at 7.30. And if you are tired, poor, hungry, out of luck, um, uh, coming off drugs, uh, if there's something wrong with you, uh, you're welcome. Yep. Uh, you're who we're looking for. And we've we've got good preaching and a hot meal and, and um, uh, connections to get you a place to stay and um, connections with... Um, uh, local churches that would love to have you. Basically, the bridge is one-stop shopping. If you're coming out of a rough time in your life and you'd like to see that change, you'd like to, to figure out where you stand with the Lord, and um, you'd like to uh, uh, make some positive steps forward in your life, the bridge is for you every week, no matter what, till Jesus comes back. And um, like I say, it's a it's a clearinghouse for everything you need, and, and part of it is a worship service. So we have you know worship music, and we have uh, fellowship, and we have preaching and whatnot. And in terms of kind of uh, running the service and making sure everything goes goes smoothly that's that's what i do as the bridge program director so um that usually means running around like a chicken with my head cut <laughs> off and yeah. um trying to keep things from exploding or melting or um you know uh, uh general mayhem and chaos then in terms of uh, mission usa productions um what glenn tasked me to do a long time ago now uh, I met Glenn because I was playing in some rock bands, and uh, and we got to be buddies. And um, he, I, I got involved as a volunteer, kind of helping to lead music here and there for stuff that he was doing. And he asked me uh, to try my hand at um, writing some uh, songs specifically for the men and women that he worked with. And um, I, I wasn't really sure about that because uh, I didn't really like Christian music at all, and I didn't think I'd be very good at it, but I tried it, and, and they liked it, and I liked doing it, and I got involved doing more and, and more of that, and um, when I came to work for Glenn, he said, what I want you to do is, I want you to take media, whether that's different kinds of music, or things like comic books, or movies, or whatever, and figure out how do you use them to help people that are going through a rough time um, have a smoother transition. So if you're, if you're a person coming out of drug addiction, can you write music that helps them overcome obstacles in that process of substance abuse recovery? So um, that's what I do. That's what I've been doing for a long time. We started a few years ago taking a lot of what we do both at The Bridge and with Mission USA Productions and 
applying it to folks that we meet online. So uh, young people that are trying to figure out uh, big spiritual questions in their life, maybe going through a rough time and, and saying, how can we meet the needs that they have? How can we help you know uh, um, them overcome obstacles and grow into the people that the Lord made them to be? And that's where all of you that are listening to this podcast come in, is um, uh, we're here to serve you. Um, we're, we're here cause not for you to be impressed with us, but because we're impressed with you. Um, you know, when we talk with people online, we're, we're blown away by how serious y'all are about the Lord, by how courageous you are in, in taking on challenges. And, and we're here to help. Um, whatever you need, whatever uh, questions you have, whatever stuff you're struggling with, um, even if it's just praying for you, uh, we're, we're here to serve you and we're grateful for the opportunity to do that. Amen. Absolutely. I'll tie this up uh, with my little part in this operation. Uh, I guess I got here in January of 2012, because if you're going to move to Chicago, January. Yeah. Really getting the full full experience. Um, I I actually did not grow up at any church, but since time I was about 18, started attending the church that Lee is a pastor at. was real good friends with him and uh, our pastor and some other Young Life guys and a lot of volunteer youth ministry. Uh, Part of what Lee's church does is every summer they they, uh, Lee and... His uh, co-workers bring a group of high school kids up to the bridge to be what we call a host team, which is a group that's normally from a local church, but sometimes it's from a little further out, who greets our guys in the service, serves the meal, sits among them, uh, hangs out with them, loves on them. Very important part of the bridge service because the uh, guys and gals at the bridge are absolutely sure that they are not wanted in church and that Christians don't like them. So the role of the host team is to come in and dissuade them of that, which is a very difficult job. But I, so I was part of that a couple of times and got to know uh, Glenn and Jed really well. And then they offered me this job to kind of take these uh, po- blog audiences we'd had, which Glenn started a blog. I don't know if anybody's learned. Very popular. It's, it, it is. Um, Would you describe it as significantly popular? It's, it's, it's quite popular. Well, that's, <laughs> that's good. That's, that's I mentioned that, A, because it's true, and B, because it had been about four episodes since we said that. And speaking of my job, I think things were starting to get a little shaky. <laughs> that's, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we had is we had, we, as Jed pointed out, we had all these awesome people from uh, these kind of blog endeavors, and all four of us have blogs uh, on Tumblr that uh, were very serious about the Lord, that uh, had a lot of growth potentials, people we wanted to build into, people we thought would like the stuff we're doing in Chicago and want to support that. So I we started a br- the Bridge blog uh, with the intention of it being to kind of teach people how to do ministry via the expertise that these guys have gained from doing ministry in a very demanding environment for a long time. Um it didn't really end up being that. We certainly do answer some ministry questions, but basically those people had questions about their walk, so we started spinning that way, and then we started this podcast. We started our Bridge podcast. The end result of that is you, what you hear me talk about at the beginning of every one of these shows, which is Bridgebox, which is a way to kind of help folks, disciple folks, get them uh, some first-rate materials to be help out in their walk and to help out with ministry. We have a lot of folks... Um, who use our bridge box stuff in small group ministry, prison ministry, use the songs, use the Bible studies, use the devotionals. Uh, We're super glad to hear about that. And also it raises a little money for our ministry here because we don't talk about this. Actually, I guess we talk about every episode. I say we don't really talk about money, but I guess I try to sell bridge box every episode. So that's a big fat lie. (laughs) We don't talk about it too, too much. The thing about uh, the bridge as a program and mission USA, you'll hear us talk about like when I get about the websites, mission USA is the umbrella organization that is over 
the bridge service, the blogs, uh, say that and all this stuff is 100% donor supported. We don't get any government money. We don't get any money from like a denomination. There are some churches that support us. Triple C is a huge supporter, but outside of Triple C, um, not a lot of church support going on. It's mostly in individual. Mostly individuals. People. And at this point, um, our bridge box is our biggest single supporter. If you control that all together, it allows us to do a lot of cool stuff that we weren't able to do before. So I throw in a secondary plug to say we really appreciate the folks who do that. It is. Yeah, Jed. Yeah. Just to, to give you an example, you know, we're talking about if you're going through a rough time in the city of Chicago, you're cold, you're hungry, whatever your deal is, the bridge is a place for you. Bridgebox allows us to do things like buying shoes for people in the middle of winter. Right. Uh, that's, yes. that's where that money goes. We have a, a dude we've been working with who t- needs size 14 shoes. He's and a big dude. Can't exactly get those at the Target. We, we call him Big John. Yeah, um, he's big. He's big. And this dude, it's um, zero degrees outside. And he's walking around in slippers because uh, right. that's the only thing that has that fit his feet. So right. uh, if you're a Bridgebox subscriber, you helped buy a dude shoes in the middle of winter. And, yeah. and that's the kind of stuff that money goes for. Totally. And it also speaks to, I'll, I'll close on this idea real quick. The thing we, that excites us about, say that, the thing that excites us about the blogs and uh, the Bridgebox stuff is it allows us to support our ministry to the folks in Chicago by doing ministry with folks like you. And we, this is what we love to do. We love doing ministry. Man. We love helping out. So f- if us helping you out with your questions makes and uh, struggles that you have on the podcast, the blogs, makes you sign up for Bridgebox, that gives us the funds to go buy shoes for John, to buy coats for kids, to give people bus passes, to get to the uh, job center for the thing, and it gives us the money to buy meals at the bridge. So it's a very cool thing, and y'all are the ones who make it go. Secondary commercial. You don't Woo! get that very often. <laughs> We're going to move on to our next question here. It says, came in anonymously with our Tumblr box. It says, when sharing the gospel with non-Christians, they often ask me whether or not I believe that the stories in the Bible actually happened or if they're myths. So I want to pass this question to you. Are the stories in the Old Testament and the writings in the New Testament, for example, the Gospels, things that actually happened or are they just myths and legends that are used to illustrate a point like fables or children's stories? Lee, can you start us off? Absolutely. And uh, thanks for writing your question in. Here's the thing. I, th- I really think... Um, I- that, that there are two big things going on in this question and I'll deal uh, just for a second with one and then we're gonna and then we're gonna kind of really land on the other one uh, the f- one thing going on is just your kind of curiosity question about you know the you know kind of more fantastical sounding type things mir- miraculous happenings and stuff like that that are described in the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament did those things actually happen or are they legends and myths used to illustrate a point they did actually happen they they all happened um <clears throat> and some of that stuff is crazy it sounds unbelievable and you know in order to pull that stuff off god you know had to had to really do some amazing things but those did th- those things did happen. We do believe that the scripture is uh, is true. It's God breathed. This is this is uh, th- these are things that actually happen. God wanted every word to be in there, and it's not just a legendary. Uh, these are not just legendary stories. These are these are the stories that our faith 
is built on. Um, and, you know, it's important. It's, it's important to, uh, to say that those things in the Old Testament happen. One reason is because Jesus believed in all that stuff. I mean, Jesus talks in the Gospels about Adam and Eve. Jesus talks about Moses. Jesus talks about Jonah. He talks about Daniel. He talks about some of the big, uh, big crazy stuff that happened in the Old Testament. And, uh, and, and he does not talk about those things as if they were myths and legends. He says, he says, uh, you're asking for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except for the sign of Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the belly of a big fish. I mean, he, he talks about that story as it actually happened, not as a myth or a legend. So it's important that we say, yes, we actually believe that the things described in the Bible happened as they were told, and uh, so did our Lord. He, he believed that same thing, and that is important, but... Uh, more importantly, and this is the thing, I think you're, as I was saying at the beginning, I think your question is actually two questions, because if I'm, and this is where I want to spend a little bit more time, if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, if I'm talking to them and they're wondering about whether or not, you know, if they're asking me about whether or not do you, you know, do you believe the things in the Old Testament really happened, you know, you know, uh, Noah and the, uh, and, you know, all the animals being on this ark or Jonah being swallowed by a big fish or Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. Do you believe these things happened? I think if I'm going to be talking to someone about sharing my faith in Christ and, and, you know, deciding whether or not they want to believe in Jesus, these are not the kinds of debates uh, I want to have. Um, these are not the things that that really hold anybody up from believing in Jesus. What, Amen. Uh, th- this nobody is is trying to figure out whether or not they want to accept Christ based on whether or not uh, Moses, you know, whether or not the Red Sea parted for Moses when he put his staff in those waters. That's, that. that is not the thing that's holding anybody back. The thing that's holding people back is, do I, am I ready to make a change in my life? Am I ready to hand the keys of my life over to somebody else? It's something that Glenn said, it's a phrase that Glenn said that I want to borrow from last episode, which is, am I ready to submit my life to the will of God? And that's what's really going on. Am I, am I, am I really ready to walk away from life under my own terms? Am I ready for a different kind of life? And that's the thing that, that's the question that somebody really has to answer, not whether or not Noah or Jonah or Daniel, any of that stuff happened. The question is, am I ready to move on into a different kind of life where I'm not the shot caller? Now, that's not a decision you can make for anybody else. And it's not something that you can wrestle anybody into, debate anybody into, or talk anybody into. The thing that I, the angle that I would go into an, a conversation like this with is, look, if you want to talk about the Old Testament and some of those things, that's fine. But understand, I don't want to debate with you. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to have any kind of argument. I don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. What I want to do is, if you're having a hard time, if you're, if you've got a broken heart over some issue, if you've got some issue with God that's holding you back, if you've got something that happened to you in your past that you're angry with God about or something, I want to talk with you about that. If you need something that you want somebody, if you've got something you want somebody to pray with you about, I want to do that. If you need somebody to help you, I want to do that. In other words, what you want to do is find out where somebody is and meet them 
in the place where they are, find out what's holding them back, what's hurting them, what's really going on inside their heart, and find out an actual, actionable way that you can show them love, show them support, and take care of them. And then over time, pray for that person and ask the Lord to open up a door when you can really share the gospel with them. But I think that's your deal. I think you get two different issues. One is the validity of these, of these Old Testament, uh, you know, scenario, these Old Testament stories, and the other is how do we talk to somebody who who may or may not be ready to start a relationship with the Lord? Absolutely, Jed. Well, thanks for your question, and I agree with everything Lee said, uh, absolutely. Um, and just so you're clear, and I'm sure you'll hear all four of us echo this, uh, I do believe uh, what the Bible said happened, happened. Um, I, I do believe that um, a teenage Jewish girl in first century Palestine um, uh, who never had sex with anybody became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and gave birth to the Savior of mankind. Uh, you, you can call that crazy all you want, but I, I do believe that happened. Um, I, I do believe that a man named Jesus physically walked on top of water and commanded a storm um, to be quiet, and it, and it did. I, I actually do believe that. And I'll tell you, part of the reason I believe that is I've seen something crazier than that happen. See, in my own life, I ran my own life for many years, and then um, I was a wreck because I was really, really, really bad at running my own life. I was uh, just a miserable, miserable human being with a terrible, small, awful life. And I started talking to um, apparently no one. I, I started talking to a God that I just sensed would be there and said, I, I need you to do something about this. I, I need you to come along and change me. I need you to, to give me, teach me a new way to live. I, I need you to make me a different kind of dude. I need you to do something inside of me and make me and all of this different. And then he did. I know who I was before, and I know who I am now, and those aren't the same person. Um, yeah. And that's not the result of the power of positive thinking. If you knew me, you would never wonder if that was the case. Um, <laughs> It's not the result of willpower, because uh, I'm a lazy, lazy dude. Um, it's not the result of, um, you know, just kind of perpetual self-deception. I've worked actually a lot in psych wards. I know how mental illness works, and uh, it's not that. Um, the explanation is that there is a God. He did hear me, and he changed me. Um, and in my book, that's a lot crazier than the thought that a dude could walk on water. Um, that, that could happen, but the idea that someone could enter a human heart and transform it, that's a miracle. Amen. And I know that it's happened because it's happened in me and I've turned around by God's grace and I've been a part of seeing that miracle happen in other people again and right. again and again. We uh, were, um, having the three of us here in Chicago were having a meal earlier tonight and we were talking about people that we've worked with in some cases over decades mm -hmm. and the transformation that has taken place in them, inside of them and, and based on that outside side of them if you met them today and you met them then you'd never believe they could be the same person you wouldn't think it was possible i have i have seen people change in ways that miraculous is the only word that can describe it but that started with me i have seen the change god did in myself so it's actually not all that hard to believe crazy sounding stuff in the bible um because he's done something crazy in me and i've watched Amen. him do it say that but now here's the next thing what you believe is revealed by the way you live. If you truly believe that Moses stuck his staff in the ground and that God parted the Red Sea, then you live your life with courage. 
If you truly believe that Jesus uh, rebuked the storm and the waves and told them to be silent, and they did, then you live your life with resolve. If you truly believe that God made magic bread appear on the ground in the desert for 40 years, then you live life trusting in God's provision. And if you truly believe that Jesus hung on a cross to pay for your sins, then you live a life that is marked and defined by love. That's, that's how it works. Amen. And here's what I want to tell you about your friends who look with incredulity on the Bible, is if you live a life that's marked by love, they will respect your life. Um, they may not be to a point where they can necessarily intellectually assent to all the stuff you would say you believe, but they will respect the fact that you believe it. If your life is marked by love and thus service to people who are down and out, and that doesn't have to be people who are economically down and out. That can be people who are at your workplace, forgotten and cast off. That can be the kids at your school that aren't popular, that no one will talk to. But if your life is marked by service to people who are otherwise forgotten, non-Christians will respect you. They will respect your faith. They will respect your life. I guarantee you that is the case. And as proof of that, I want to just do a quick shout-out to Pope Francis. Mm. Um, we have seen in the last, whatever, it's been six months, a year. How long has it been? Since he took over? I don't know. Probably a little under a year. year. About a year. Dude, I'm just telling you, in our world, we have seen the most vehement atheists you have ever seen. Yeah. Look at that dude and say, hey, he's he's helping people. No, he's, I, I've got close buddies of mine that are a, a Jewish, some are atheists that have been on Facebook talking about how great it is. That's my guy. Yeah. Nobody say anything bad about him. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. That's not limited to him. If your life is marked by love and service in that same way, you will enjoy that same respect. Um, the, the biggest heathens I know, uh, you know, are friends of mine think what I do for a living is the greatest thing ever. Right. Um, they're not ready to make a change in their own life, but when they are, I'm the guy they're going to come ask. Um, and that's going to be true for you too. So what I say is, you know, God's done something in you. You know, he's changed you. You've seen a miracle happen. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. You've watched that take place. You know that you can trust God. Turn around and let that love drive you to serve, um, the disadvantaged people in your life. And that will send the exact right message to the non-Christians in your life that when they're ready for something with the Lord, you're the person they want to talk to. Absolutely. Glenn? Yeah, my uh, just a very, very quick uh, illustration here. My uh, father grew up in uh, rural Oklahoma, a very poor family, and uh, went on to become uh, 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 an engineer in the space program, was, was uh, part of helping to put a man on the moon. And a remarkable guy in his own right. And when I was growing up and, and wrestling with these questions in, in my own life, of, is this stuff in the Bible is true? Um, I asked him what he thought about it. And my dad was not a church going person. He didn't raise me to be a uh, part of the church and all that stuff. And uh, he said uh, uh, about all of this is that I should never uh, seek the permission of science to believe in anything. Now, did your dad have some maybe some bona fides in the sciences? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, uh, it anything he didn't know, there were somebody else in the room did know it when it comes to, to astrophysics and the nature of the universe and all that kind of stuff. And he was always very, very, very clear: uh, scientists don't know, we don't know, we don't understand. We 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 are just scratching the surface of all the things that make the world work the way it does. We don't know. Uh, that tells me, and, and, and let me just share this with you. My personal answer to this is uh, I don't believe that the physical world is the ultimate reality. I mean, if, if you want to put it in sort of 
philosophical terms, I think the spirit world is what's real and um, that the physical world obeys what that uh, spiritual world wants to see happen. You know, we were talking about miracles early on and, uh, you know, Jesus fed 5,000 people. And then later there's a storm and the, there's, there's a boat and everyone's going crazy. And then Jesus calms the wind and the waves. And the, 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 his, his disciples said, who is this man that can calm the wind and the waves? I mean, he could feed people with bread, but this is waves. <laughs> and, and he turns to them and says, where, where's your faith? I mean, what do you, you know, uh, it, think about it like this. If, if I sit in front of a laptop and I have a, a, my word processing program open and I'm typing stuff, I can edit that to be whatever I want it to be. That's, that's the kind of relationship Jesus was trying to explain between the physical and the spiritual. The, the physical world, the, you, you know, you, you can come up with laws and physics and whatever else, but whatever God wants it to be, that's what it's going to be, and that's kind of what Jesus was trying to describe. Um, science, uh, I, science is not going to give me permission one way or another. It, it's not. I'm not going to wait for it to sign off on stuff because uh, scientists don't know. That's just kind of the the nature of it. Um, uh, and that's what makes science great is is we're always discovering new things. We're always uh, sort of superseding what we thought we knew about things, and that's that's what makes it exciting. Um, but I want to circle back and really. Uh, uh, re-emphasize what Jed was saying here. Uh, we've all seen miracles, uh, particularly in the human, uh, you know, change uh, changing human people, and that's the biggest miracle there is. Uh, the, the, you, you could part the Red Sea, that's fine, but this, you know, this family member of mine has been breaking my heart for the past 20 years, and if you could do something with this guy, Jesus, uh, you know, that's a miracle here. Uh, everything that the, this person has gone. Uh, let me give you a quick uh, story to illustrate along the lines of what Joe was talking about. Where uh, 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 I encounter, I met a guy at uh, Cook County Jail uh, many years ago, and he was a leader for a very large uh, gang here uh, in Chicago. And he was he was leading all those people inside that jail. So he was basically calling shots in that jail for all of this. Uh, not only did he have no background in church, his family was involved in the gang. So he's literally raised to be a gang member in this gang. And so starting totally from scratch, uh, we began a relationship. I began to explain the gospel to him. Uh, he fell off that. He backslid off that. He got rearrested. It, we, and he contacted me again, and we kept working. We kept you know back and forth, all this. Fast forward to today, I'm sitting across the table from a guy in a two-piece suit who has the, is, a, is a car salesman. He's a salesman of the year on his car lot. He has the highest customer service rating of any GM dealership in the state of Illinois. Wow. This guy is as straight and – he's straighter than I am. I, I'm sitting there in a T-shirt and blue jeans. He's sitting across me in a, in a nice suit and you know, got himself all together and driving a brand-new car off the, the lot and all this kind of stuff. And um, uh, and this is why, of course, I'm nice to all these people, is in case they you know come up in the world, maybe they'll let me live in in their pool house or something. You know, know. and when you met him, he could have had you killed. It, that, that's another also, reason to be polite. That's another good incentive, you know. Uh, but the transformation—I'm no fool to believe in miracles because I've seen it myself, and and I think that's what we want to focus on here. That's absolutely a great point. I'm going to piggyback on something all these guys have said and just kind of uh, point out this one more time. If you're talking to someone about the gospel as it appears in the Bible 
And what they're saying to you is, I'm not willing to accept that supernatural things exist. I need you to explain this to me via the laws of the natural world. They're not going to buy in. you got to push on. No, as Jed pointed out at the beginning, no one's going to say, look, I'll buy first century Roman outpost carpenter is born, is fully God, is fully man, is executed, and because of that, sin is forgiven. But the dude with the boat. Yeah. Can yeah. we go back to the dude with the boat? That's not a conversation anyone's ever had. Right. If you're willing to buy, if you want the grace stuff and the salvation stuff to be true, I yeah, swallowed by a fish, old guy with a boat, whatever it needs to be. And uh, Glenn and I, and as you've heard, Glenn and Lee and I all have history degrees. And let me just assure you, history is full of, to use a technical term, weird crap. Yeah. You know, a storm blows the Spanish Armada off course, and that sets the next 500 years of human history because Britain becomes, you know, the big thing. Hitler or Napoleon picks the wrong winter to march into Russia, and that changes the his course of human history. Weird stuff happens all the time that has big impacts. So to uh, get caught up in the details is not the, as Lee's pointed out, not really the uh, proper way to look at what is a big picture story. All right, we move on to our last question here. It came into our Tumblr inbox. It says, just needing a guy perspective on this. There's this guy that I like, one I've looked liked for about a year and a half, but he only sees me as a younger sister and has had that view ever since I met him, which is about two and a half years ago. Is it likely he'll ever like me or will he just always see me as a sister and nothing more? Jed, can you kick us off? I can. Sis, thanks for your question. You got to put it out there. The only way to know. Metaphorically, put it out there <laughs> yeah, metaphorically. When, when you say, you, you mean express your feelings. Sure, let's yes. go with that. <laughs> Not expose things, because that will get his attention. But that's not appropriate, Chad. Uh, I'm just, Perfect example of why the podcast is a team effort. I'm just saying, <laughs> express your feelings, but, uh, you know, send him a message. Right. You know, be intentional about it. Here's what I'm saying. Tell him how you feel. Every time, I'm sorry, every time I see a Christian post on the internet now about intentional dating, that's all I'm going to think about. And it's your fault, Brewer. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, one of the things, darling, that I cannot say to you strongly enough, and you really, I'd encourage you to be crystal clear on, is um, guys do not do subtlety. Oh, yeah. Um, uh -huh. I have a strong suspicion that you believe he sees you as a little sister or a younger sister. Um, uh, I don't know that that's necessarily based on him telling you, I see you as a younger sister. Um, unless there is a massive, I'm I, I'm going to speak for all guys here for a second, which is which is wrong, and but just go with me. Unless there is a massive, massive age difference, like he is 25 and you are 12, um, guys don't look at women who are slightly younger than them and go, well, she's just not on the table. She's just, right. yeah, it's just yeah. not a possibility. Yeah, it's just you know, uh, if they, they notice the the women in their environment, they we all, yes, all guys notice the women in their environment. Yeah. Period. The end. Um, but the the thing on this, uh, sis, is um, um, you, what you're wondering is what you'd like is for him to just act. You'd like him yeah. to notice you because I'm guessing in your brain, if he noticed me, then wouldn't he do something about that? Wouldn't mm -hmm. he, you know, roll up on me? And the answer is no, because guys, we got a lot of problems. Um, whenever we do really anything right, it, it's time to celebrate and rejoice. There's a mixture of fear and laziness, and wouldn't it be easier just to sit on the couch? 
I mean, right. if we're going to be and honest, the Christian book industry is spending the last 20 years telling you that asking a girl out means you'll on a grease shoot to hell. Exactly right. right. Exactly right. I think it's fantastic that you dig this dude. I think there's every chance that he may dig you back. But either way, the only way to put that issue to rest is for you to go talk to him. Right. For you to go up to him and say, you know, we should get a cup of coffee. In fact, you should ask me out right. for a cup of coffee. Right. Because it would be like a date. Right. Which I would enjoy being on with you, right? Because I'm interested in dating you. Yeah. So you should ask me out for a cup of coffee. Right. You need to spell it out. You can still leave it in his court if you want to do yeah. that, yeah. which you don't need to do. But right. if you if you want to, you certainly can. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, if you're wondering what the deal is, don't wonder anymore. Uh, right. uh, go do something about it. And here's the good news: is you win either way. If he uh, has the sense God gave a mule and he says, wow, I can't believe I haven't said anything before, but I would love to take you out on a date. Let's do this. Then it's a win. That's great. Right, it's fantastic. Right. If you do that, and sometimes, unfortunately, this happens. If you do that and you say, you know, it would be, uh, be a pretty smart move for you to offer to buy me a cup of coffee. If he's dumb enough to look at that and go, yeah. Uh, I don't really like coffee. I don't really yeah. like coffee. That's the wrong dude. That's the wrong date. dude. Yeah. It's, t- it's it's time to pat him on the shoulder. Say, bless your heart. Oh, um, I'm gonna good, let you cook for a little while longer. And, good luck with life, yeah. and then go find somebody else. Because yeah. understand, if you get that response, and I hope you don't, you might. But if you get that response, there's another dude out there where he would love nothing more than to take you out for a cup of coffee. Maybe he hasn't quite found his courage on that, and I'm not excusing that. Understand, right, right, right. Um, but he'd he'd love nothing more than that. And if you said, "Hey, uh, you know, uh, think about it with a cup of coffee," he will be leaping in the in the air and clicking his heels together. Yeah. Either way, the way forward. That's right. I said clicking his heels together. Yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> I don't have any comments about that. Either way, the way forward here is action. Right. Don't uh, uh, don't sit there wondering. If you're interested in having something move forward, take action. Go and talk to him. Either way, it's a win. I know that takes courage. I know that's hard. I know it's scary. But you've got what it takes. If you're if you're writing us, you've already put this thing in motion. You've got what it takes to take that next step. We believe in you. We're here for you. Absolutely, Glenn. Yeah. Here's the thing: is you're wondering, will he always see you as a sister and and nothing more? And what I'm wondering is, are you acting only in a sister way towards him? Come on. Because that would then, there would be some logic to that. If you're only being sisterly towards him and sort of playing this game of, I want you to see me as a sister, and then he, you're worried that he will see you as a sister, you see what the problem is with the logic here. Let me tell you what the other problem I have here is, you say, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I've liked him for about a year and a half. Here's the thing. I'm t- let's just picture this in our minds. You see this guy. You say, I like him. Then a year and a half later, nothing <laughs> has happened. You know, Glenn, with my wife, I saw her. Yes. I liked her. Yes. A week later. On a date. That's correct. And uh, and on the world's most fast track to marriage you ever saw in your life. A little bit. 
So yeah, uh, there there was no there was no, uh, and that's what I'm saying is if you uh, a year and a half, do you know how many people could have come along and he could have been dating and been in that relationship, and you're sitting on your hands the whole time? I mean, for heaven's sake, sister girl, this is there's comes a point in the time where a woman of God's got to take matters in her own hands and figure out, okay, here here's what we're gonna do. Um, uh, uh, here's the thing is. Uh, the problem that of what Jed's talking about, what I'm talking about here, is expressing romantic feelings. Vulnerability. Right? That's yeah. the thing is, if you ask you know young uh, Christian teenagers, how do you express to someone else that you're attracted to them? How do you deal with that? They they would say you don't. You just don't. Well, I politely leave them alone so as they're not to be tempted. That's exactly. You know. <laughs> the Michael Sarah Guide to Love. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, look. Um, look at him looking at his feet awkwardly. Yes. That must mean he's attracted to me powerfully, I guess. I don't. Yeah. Here's the thing is, um, you know, the, uh, a thousand years ago when I was a young person, there was such a thing as a, a innocent flirtation uh, between male and female where you'd say something nice and the person in the opposite sex would know what you mean by that and whatever but we've gotten to a place where all flirting is apparently bad we just can't do any of that we have to not flirt we have to not express that whatever and what we're we're giving into is just suggesting here a lack of vulnerability a lack of vulnerability uh is actually bad for relationships so that's not something we want to see rule this situation but there has to be and and maybe get together with some of the other ladies in your youth group and whatever sit down and start to talk about how do you express feelings for a member of the opposite sex and and not just in a formal let's have coffee way but also like how do you say how you feel you know i like you i you know i you know you have big shoulders i like big shoulders on a man that's a wonderful thing Give a compliment. Yes, only that only works in the girl to guy exchange. Guys, can't stress enough. Don't tell her she has big shoulders. Yeah, that's that <laughs> ain't gonna work. That's, you got uh, real broad don't shoulders. Do that. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah, that's you don't want to go that route. Uh, that's and that's a good good tip for the guys sure, out gotta, there. They need help it. out here. Yeah. Um, last quick point I'll put on on it is this: guys evolve in their taste. When when I uh, was uh, young, long before I met my wife, uh, there was a, a younger gal in our youth group. And uh, and I did. I, I saw her as a younger sister. She was a little younger than I was and what have you. And, um, you know, she just wasn't the, the, the type of gal that I normally dated, which means ultimately that she was just very nice and sweet. And that's not at that point in my life what I was doing. I, I moved on and I got into a lot of unhealthy relationships. And I realized, you know, the kind of gal I need to be dating is the kind of gal that I rejected a few One years ago. One who's not back. actively trying to destroy me? Exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. So I got to go <laughs> find this gal and get back into it. And I find this gal who has blossomed into the world's most beautiful woman. And I say, you know how you used to want to date me? Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> it's your lucky day. Yeah. Hey, uh, fellas, do not ask women out that way, just yeah. to be clear. Nope, learn and from Uncle Glenn's mistakes. Let me tell you how disinterested this woman was in me and how many other wonderful prospects she had than, than dealing with me. Uh, I had missed my moment entirely. And that's part of the tragedy of, of uh, guys and gals, that a lot of these guys, they have to get a little older before they figure out 
what they're looking at and what a quality young lady is all about. Uh, so, you know, we're not sure where he is on that scale, uh, but we have to be, find a way of expressing these things so we can figure it all out. Absolutely. Lee? Well, these these two brothers have already lined this whole thing out. I agree with what they're saying on this. Uh, I would tack one more thing on here, just having watched a lot of young people uh, get in relationships or not get into relationships and just talk back and forth with their friends about who they like forever and ever and ever and not do anything about it. Um, I think for a lot of people, they think that the way that this thing is supposed to go down is like the way that they've seen it go down in TV shows and movies, which is, you know, you have this brotherly, you know, the brother-sister kind of friendship, it's kind of flirty, it's kind of whatever, and then he goes and, you know, this this guy dates the, the girl that, like Glenn saying, is actively trying to destroy him, and at the end of the movie, he realizes that the little sister type girl that's been down the street the whole time, that's the one who's really going to make him happy. And then he's going to come back to you. And so it's going to be just like all the movies and the TV shows. Let me just say this clearly. If you are taking any cues from movies or TV shows about how your romantic life should go, you need to stop now. Hello. You need to to pull the e-brake hard. No, no the Lee, wheel. what if it's Jane Austen? Should I take cues from Jane Austen? <laughs> Jane Austen, oh, and I've said this before. We're getting on in the, the ring podcast. with Jane Austen again. Jane Austen Say was it. never married. Hello. Jane Austen has set the story arc for every single romantic comedy produced on the planet. Help yep. somebody, Pastor. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying to you. If you notice, every single Jane Austen movie has the the beautiful, happy ending. At what point? The marriage. Okay? Mm-hmm. And what in other words, the the goal of this woman's life was I'm I just want to get married. If I just get married, then everything after that will just be paradise. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Come this coming from a woman who was never married. Um, which, which means she obviously doesn't know that that's where the real work begins. And not only that, that's that look, and and here's the thing that work is awesome. It's difficult. It's, it's hard to figure out, but it's awesome and good work that leads to something amazing. But here's the deal here. And here's the last thing on this. We're we're not going to do the movie thing anymore. And we're not going to do the, the vague flirty thing and hope that one day it lands. Look, here's the thing. I'm just going to say this on behalf of all guys. He does not see you as a little sister. He sees you as a woman. Okay. He, he is attracted to you and there are, there are things that he wants to do in response to that. Okay. So you have to say the thing. Okay. You've got to say it and say that. And and here's the deal. You need to have a conversation because, and this is why this is so important. This, and this is for people that are not only not dating, but people that are married and even people in all kinds of relationships, even relationships with people at work, whatever. What, whatever it is, when, when you date, when you get married, when you have real friends in your life, when you have a boss, all that kind of stuff, you are going to have to know how to get into, into an awkward situation or a difficult situation or a vulnerable situation and have a conversation about what you want. 
That yeah. is going yeah. to happen for the rest of your life. You're going to have to say, this is where we are. This is why it's not working for me. This is what I want. Now, what's the pushback on that? You're going to have to have that conversation with, uh, with the person that you date, with spouses, with friends, with coworkers, with bosses, with, pe- with people in your family. This is a conversation that goes so far beyond this little dating situation. Friends, we have to be able to have conversations where we honestly and sometimes awkwardly or whatever, put ourselves out there and say what, what is not working for us and what needs to change. And then we hear the pushback and do that. Christians, we should not be afraid to have those conversations. And for you, my friend, this starts right here in this thing, this year and a half, it's over. It's time to have that conversation and and say directly what it is and see where the chips fall. And it's going to be a risk, but you are going to have these conversations for the rest of your life. And I promise you this, these kinds of tough conversations, conversations are the only way, the only way to have a great marriage. You're going to have to have them for the rest of your life. The only way to have real friendships and to have a great working relationship with your boss and your coworkers and anybody else in your family and in your life. Don't be afraid to have these kinds of confrontations and conversations. Amen. Absolutely. That's all great stuff you've heard. I will give one uh, little thing on here at the end that is a very special situation in which the advice you've heard may not apply. If you're talking about the guy who helps volunteer lead the youth group, no. Stop it. (laughs) That's true. We have seen that. We have seen that. Lee Lee and I were both volunteer young life leaders. Lee still is. Now is for a long time. We saw this often. Never towards me. Not Not that I'm hurt. But... Even if it's, you know, a situation like a young life, Glenn worked with Youth for Christ for a lot of years, yeah. volunteer youth group thing. Even if it's one of those things like, hey, he's the nineteen year old guy who came back to help with the youth group and I'm seventeen and senior. No. 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 Um, the whole again, as Lee's talking about with movie stuff, like, oh, it's forbidden, which makes it no. Yeah, no. Yeah. You're messing up you're gonna mess up that dude's whole life. So outside of that one very specific kind of thing, go nuts, but let's Let's have our mind around some actual boundaries here. And Just- let's be clear, there, uh, occasionally you will find the, uh, the odd youth leader, young guy that does not need to be in that position, who is flirting with the young people in the ministry. Do yeah. not respond to that by flirting back. That is yes, bad, bad, that bad. That guy no. should be fired and will be soon. That guy is, uh, again, without naming any names, Lee and I have both seen that ministry career and it ends poorly. Yes, you don't want does. to be on that flaming train. Come, coming right. to a Starbucks near you. Yes. Hello. <laughs> All right. Wow. It's, it's not the most upbeat note to end on. <laughs> but it's, it's the end of the show, unfortunately. All right. We appreciate you listening. Remember, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Bridgebox, you got to hear a lot in this episode about the cool stuff happening in Bridgebox. If you want to experience it for yourself for free, <laughs> missionusa.com slash say that 100. That's say that and then the numbers 100. If you like what you see, you want to sign on missionusa.com slash bridgebox or the very special Lee Younger branded version missionusa.com slash bbly email me matt at missionusa.com if you want the super secret link to get both of those $16 a month worth of stuff for only $12 thanks for listening just remember we love you God loves you there's nothing you can do about it fighting weather changing megachurch ice teeth since 2012 (laughs) 